0: White tail deer is what what, um, still is the backbone for the American archer. It's just, um, we we love to travel and go to um, hunt elk and maybe take a moose trip or do some caribou hunting, but it's the the backbone of our sport And the spacesuit is still white tail deer. You bet. It's just amazing.
1: Welcome to Wild Game Dynasty's podcast episode number 77. Uh, this week, folks, we have another great person on our podcast. Hey, this this gentleman, we'll call him a fellow Michigander for those of you that listen that are from the, uh, from the confines of the great state of Michigan. Hey, if you're not, if you're from not the confines of the great state of Michigan, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate what you do and appreciate your visits uh, to our great state of Michigan because we appreciate uh, reciprocating, going to your state. Oh yeah, we have some friends down in Kentucky. We just talked to a couple of podcasts ago, and hey, we know that's a wonderful state to visit as well. So, anyways, without further ado, we're going to introduce our our guest, Bob Eastman from Eastman Outdoors. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think a lot of you recognize that gentleman. Um, probably one of the uh, largest contributors to the archery industry in North America, and uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, he, he, I had to squeak it out of him that he's getting inducted into the Archery Hall of Fame here in the next week or so, and that's a wonderful thing, but he's a modest fella. He, uh, as you know, he founded Game Tracker, Eastman Outdoors, Carbon Express, so to name a few, and he retired. I think his uh, he has some family that's still continuing that quest with those companies, and he moved... Uh, he moved his assets we'll call it into uh, a new area and he which is probably not new to him but well instead of me blabbering on I'm just going to roll right into podcast episode number 77 with Bob Eastman. Bob Eastman this is Gary Morgan calling. Good morning Gary. Hey good morning. morning. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. A l- l- little nippy here in Flint, Michigan but it's, it's sun shining and Maybe we'll get we'll get a walk in
1: later today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our temperatures are are what they are in the winter time here in mid Michigan, but uh, they're a little little less brisk than they were a few days ago. So it is a uh, with the sun shining, it is a beautiful day. Hey, I appreciate you uh, agreeing to go on a podcast with Wild Game Dynasty and um, reaching out to you. And we were chit chatting just a few minutes ago, and it came to my realization right away that. I need to get this on the record button so that uh, um, before we get into our conversation about three hours later, <laughs> there's just uh, some amazing information that uh, uh, letting me know, you know, uh, a lot about uh, some uh, some of your humble beginnings, will say, and um, but I want to kind of revisit that. If we can start off, uh, just kind of how we started off in our conversation a little while ago. Uh.
0: I was really lucky. I, I grew up in Westchester County, New York, which is a extreme suburb of New York City, which it was which is then and still is today a bow and arrow only county. And so I was eight or nine years old and some one fellow who was a teacher from Connecticut and another fellow who worked on some equipment from Queens, New York, they happened to be hunting their property adjacent to my parents and I got talking to them as a youngster being nine years old or so, and the next weekend, they brought me up a kid's bow, so it means that I've been, today I'm 78, so I've been hunting with a bow and arrow for some 70 years thanks to my early upbringing in Westchester County, so I've got 70 years of stories, not all good ones, but a lot of fun, (laughs) and I've been (laughs) fortunate, Gary, to meet some great people like, like you along the way, and that's what makes hunting all about, is meeting wonderful people.
1: It sure is. I agree. Couldn't agree with you more. It's it, it is about the fellowship. It is about our conversations and our friendships that we make along the way. And sometimes, uh, sometimes we uh, we have no idea where our paths might cross each other. But when when they do, it's a special moment.
0: You you talk about Gary about friendships, and and I know we're talking about the things that I may have accomplished over the years. But I got a phone call. Uh, about three weeks ago which I just want to share with you because it's, it shows the character of one of our leaders in the archery community.
1: Thank you.
0: Ted, Ted Nugent called me and I haven't talked to Ted Nugent for a couple of years so Ted calls me and you know, I recognize his phone he yeah, his phone on my phone, his phone, private number and I said, what is that strange? Why has Ted Nugent called me? So I said, hi Ted, and he said, I have the typical brief hunting remarks and he says, Mom What's Let me have the cell phone number. Lenny Reznor who worked for me for 30 years and ran my archery company, Carpet Express. He's been outdoors. He says he's retiring, and I want to give Lenny a retirement call just as, and, and congratulate him on his retirement and, and thank him for all the many contributions that he's done for archery. So just a little salute to Ted Nugent behind the scenes, a guy that would take time out of his busy entertainment Entertaining schedule from Texas. to track down someone's cell phone number and congratulate him on his accomplishments in the archery business as he retired. So that's just my archery story story from three weeks ago about money who just retired, and Ted Nugent, who I've known for a long time. But hats off to a guy who um, is still giving out to the individuals.
1: Absolutely, boy, that is a neat neat uh, story. Um, I'm not any any consideration of a friend of Mr Nugent but I think all of us in the hunting and conservation field or our industry will say we are friends though we may have never met and I consider That's right. I consider yeah. Ted uh, a, a a wonderful example of um, someone that uh, does just what you said he did and and he reaches out to uh, all people and uh, shares and gives back to the uh, to the to the hunting community in in a lot of different ways and that is such a neat story. He uh, took time out of a such a busy schedule and made made sure he made time for it. Um, you mentioned well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned a couple things just now and and um, when you mentioned Carbon Express and and. Uh, Eastman Outdoors, and of course, the one I remember too was Game Tracker. So, is that all wrapped up into one corporate structure that that you were involved in in your earlier days?
0: Yeah, we started out with the original Game Tracker. When you stop to think about it, that was a half mile worth of line that you tied the end of the line to your arrow and, and shot, and it was just you stop to think about it, that you wouldn't be able to sell one of those things. So you shouldn't have been able to because you know, you're putting a, a string on the end of the arrow and shooting out fishing line on it, basically, <laughs> on a string. Yeah. And we're bow hunters, we aren't fishermen. But because innately, almost everybody at one point, particularly back then when the equipment was a little more primitive, you know, losing a deer, or they knew if someone had lost a deer, hadn't recovered a deer easily, there was a pent up demand for a product that could aid in the recovery of um, whitetail. So, we went to Anderson Archery, our first big show, which was a big archery company here in Lansing, Michigan. Yes. and we had Ann Clark. Who one time was one of our Olympic shooters, and she was on a trailer demonstrating the product, shooting it from up on top of the trailer. And we wound up selling three or four hundred trackers that day at Anderson Archery, and wound up building that company big enough so we could have, with line, we were going around the world. Number of times in line, and we literally we, we help, uh recover thousands and thousands of deer over the years. But then, as we got to be went from one product from the tracker into a bow squares, and then knocking pliers and uh, knocks, and and then of course into our carbon express arrow, which we, which is kind of an interesting story, Gary. Maybe later on in the podcast we'll talk about it, but it's taking uh, a passion and developing it into a, a a very successful company. When you're competing with Eastern Aluminum, who was is, is today and was back then a first class arrow company, so you know how do you get involved in making an arrow when you have a a competitor who's doing a very good job at the time?
1: Yeah, you know. You talked about the um, the connection you had in Lansing, um, with with that uh, Anderson Archery clinic, Anderson Archery, and yeah. and you mentioned some names. I remember taking my dad, my brother, and I going down there, and I remember a little bit about what you're talking about as far as your product line being on display down there, and I remember my brother kind of elbowing me, and he says, you know, we should pick up a couple of those. And, of course, it was because, unfortunately, we had both, uh, You, re- as we all do when we, uh, you know, maybe not put that perfect shot or maybe the deer, uh, whatever, the reason was we lost our game in our track and we were going to be on point to not let that happen ever again. And, uh, of course, uh, your, your product line was... Uh, you know, very well received in the archery industry. But I look at that, too, as the archery industry. I mean, it's only reaches out to a, such a small segment of the population, um, but a very, very loyal segment of the population nonetheless. And dedicated. Yes.
0: Before I entered before an archery, it's kind of interesting. I was a, a passionate bow hunter, and I, my dream was to go to Africa. So, Fred Bear had taken one trip to Africa, but he lived up in Grayling, Michigan.
1: Yeah. So I
0: wasn't in the archery business yet, so I, I called Fred on the phone and said, Fred, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Africa next year, and this, it's a place that you went. Um, I happened to run to the, to the people that Fred had gone with. So I said, can I? Can you give me some advice on that? And he said, "Bob, yeah, come on up to my house in Grayling.
1: Oh, my. So I my.
0: drove up to Grayling, and... Henrietta was there. So Fred and I spent the, the entire afternoon in his living room talking about um, his experience with um, Safari Landia. And the fellow who owned it was Alvin von Slaven and who he hunted with. And a year later, I went back over in the same place doing the same thing. And Fred, of course, wrote a book on half of one of his books on his African hunt. And so and I could not vouch for the fact that Fred's book on Africa is very close to what actually happened. Wow. And it was a, a very, very accurate a, account. But uh, so I was hunting with the same people that when Fred got his land and we were lucky enough to get a lion and also an elephant. And subsequently, we got the, uh, the Big Five in Africa. Oh. And then we got the... We were the first archer in Africa to have gotten all 29 different species with Africa with a bow and
1: arrow. Oh, my, what a, what a neat experience. What a story to, to uh, be able to retell. Um, your, your conversation on the phone with Fred Bear and then following up with a vi- visit to uh, him and his wife at, at their house and, and him being nothing less than a gentleman, I've heard a couple of stories like that before where he is or was a uh, just that a consummate gentleman always always lending a hand to those that uh, needed it uh, whether it be uh, you know um, a little expertise here or there or some uh, reflection on some experiences to uh, give a person a one up in their uh, next experience of their own
0: and Fred gave me one of his takedown bows. But then when I got involved in the business, it was kind of interesting. Fred Fred had his camp up in Michigan called Grouse Haven, where he entertained customers and so forth. Yes. And I still have the same camp, but I have a camp called Game Tracker in West Branch. Yeah. And it was, I mean, every weekend, some of my guests would wind up going over to Fred's <laughs> camp. And some of Fred's guests would wind yeah. up going over to my camp. But neither Fred and I swapped each other, but it was very oh that's funny very very friendly I wouldn't call myself a competitor or Fred but creeper we um but narrows we were certainly um they made, he made bows and that's what he was good at we were we were exceptionally good at making arrows.
1: yes absolutely you know, kind of neat was, uh, that your your camps were literally in the same county
0: no different different county but just an hour an hour away just oh, very perfect. very okay. close. yeah
1: so, yeah been, been to uh Grouse Haven once in uh uh, that's a beautiful area. Oh, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm
0: a little prejudiced, but Game Tracker's camp, even outdoors, is rolling hills, swamps, and it's just up uh, And Fred's was a little, a little bit flat, but uh, that, yeah. it's a gorgeous camp.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you look at uh, the involvement that your company's had, and of course, uh, bear bear archery, and of course, so many others. I think it's very, very safe and easy to say that Michigan's mark in the archery industry, the hunting industry, is tremendous. Oh, but particularly
0: in the uh, both gun and bow, but we were number two in the number of archers in Michigan for many, many years, just, just a tad behind Pennsylvania. Wow. We were just, you know, one time I think we had 500,000 archers, but it was just uh, Michigan, you beginning of... That October first, you go up there in the freeway, and you see the the bows in the back shelf of the car, and the arrows sticking out of the pickup trucks. It was just still, <laughs> and it's still big in Michigan, but not not, not like it was. Right, the, uh, I would agree.
1: I I remember living in uh, Livingston County, and my brother, who is uh, well, I think he's six seven years older than I, he was kind of a throwback, and kind of still is. I don't want to call him a loner because he's not. He's a very uh, uh, personable fellow, but. He was one of the few in our neck of the woods that was uh, taking up the uh, bow and arrow, and people kind of would ask him, you know, what are you doing that for? And and uh, pretty soon he had other people, you know, his buddies taking up the sport, and pretty soon uh, he kind of had had that following. Not not so much following him, but following the sport itself. And uh, ah. and then we found a lot of ourselves uh, spending more time in the in the woods during archery season, a far greater amount than we. Than we do uh, during the firearm season.
0: You well, know, the white the, the tail deer is what, what um, still is the backbone for the American archer. It's just, um, we, we love, love to travel and go to um, hunt elk and maybe take a moose trip or do some caribou hunting, but it's uh, the, the backbone of our sport. The, the, the participation is still white tailed deer. You it's bet. Just, it's just amazing. Absolutely, and I've never gotten a a a Pope and Young Whitetail. All they've been hunting these critters for sixty years, (laughs) and I've never and I've gotten all kinds of African trophies. Some of which will, like my elephant in Africa, I don't believe will ever be broken by anybody. It was the largest elephant uh, ever shot in the country of Angola, 135 pounds in one tusk, and the other tusk was 137 pounds. The, The largest elephant ever shot in Angola or ever retrieved in the country of Angola and far and away the next elephant down is with a bow is something like 70 or 80 pounds oh my so so this is nothing's even close to it so it's it's one of those records that will probably be standing in a hundred years from now if we're agree. if you're able to hunt in a hundred years from now right um, so that was that, that's my best but never never poking young whitetail. so you get got a lot of listeners who at least Uh, probably more than I know if they've gotten a deer that would be close to that record. It's 125, isn't it, Gary?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, though, you're not the only person, though, that has been knee-deep in the archery industry for a uh, long time. Thus, uh, an industry provider, we'll call that, um, that has made the same claim that you just made, but to think... And I, like I mentioned to the one fellow, I said, yeah, but to have the the influence or the the uh, the ideas that you put forward in, in patents or whatever the equipment you t- provided uh, for the others to do that and for the others, the other archery hunters to have succeeded and maybe uh, scored a couple of, or even one Pope and Young animal. We,
0: and... We, we definitely did that from our broadheads to our game trackers to our post-warers we improved the accuracy, the proficiency of the sport. We definitely, I give a lot of credit to that to Lenny. There's, there's no question the har—the successful harvest rate w- was significantly proved by by the g- Game Tracker, Eastman Outdoors, being involved in the industry.
1: Absolutely. I I, I agree with that 110% just because I remember uh, going into uh, – well, in my earlier days, even in my adulthood, but my earlier days, uh, taking time out of our busy schedules, and you know, my wife and I raised a uh, family of three children, so sometimes it was difficult to get out and hunt, but I knew one thing, I could go to an archery pro shop. In, in my area, that was Bay Archery, and it pretty much still is, and they had a lot of your products on sale because they, you know, and, and the owner at the time, uh, the owner-manager, Jim Burnett, he promoted your product not because uh, he owed you anything or you owed him. It was simply, uh, it was a superior product and it still is.
0: Well, that's nice to hear that. Thank you, Gary.
1: You had a story you told, though, a little while ago that I'd like you to, uh, to rehash. And that was uh, a day that you uh, needed a, to stop up to West Branch and you stopped at the uh, local Hardware. Oh, uh,
0: local Ace, Ace Hardware yeah, store. Yeah. So there was a young man working in Ace, and I need to buy some trespassing signs, my you know, hunting signs to put up at the property. So a young high school boy, boy from Houghton Lake High School, was there behind the counter. So I said, I need 72 trespassing signs. And I want them all, metal, but you only have seven in stock. So he said, well, let me have your name and address, and we'll order up, um, tobacco orders, 60-some-odd signs. So I gave him my Carbon Express Gorilla combined card at that time. He looked at it and (laughs) said, Oh, you know, 16-year-old kid. He says, You own Carbon Express and Gorilla tree stands? And I says, Yeah, yeah. He says, Oh, that's really great. He says, Your camp, and I told him, The the camp is only a couple miles away. And I said, Why don't you come over and visit us for breakfast or something? And um, he says, Oh, I'd love to do that. So he had his his high school outfit on his clean jeans and his beautiful high school white white sneakers so I said I'll <laughs> see you sometime so I left went back to camp and so a couple hours later in comes this kid from the high school Scott with his white shoes on and in the meantime we'd gotten back from our bow hunting that night and I had some guests up from Korea who couldn't speak a word and one of them had shot a, a white tail doe in the swamp so I said okay let's go out and we'll see track this deer so go from bog to bog and this mom gets thicker and thicker where the deer goes and Scott <laughs> is jumping from bog to bog and of course after about five or six leaps she would always miss one and, and goes up to his ankles but then the, the second shoe gets all muddy and is up to his knees oh, man. so <laughs> he destroyed a beautiful high school white buck so to speak yeah <laughs> so i get home and i tell my wife the story i said this kid's sneakers were destroyed and so forth and my wife ann says bob you've got to go out and buy that, that young man a pair of sneakers next kid you can't take a high school kid into the swamp and have a shoes. shoes. <laughs> what kind of you can't do that i said really i said okay i'll, I'll do that so next weekend i see Scott and, well, we got to go over up, up here to the Kmart store and buy a new pair of sneakers for you, which we did. And subsequently, he's been with me ever since. He was just a junior back then in high school. He stayed, took over the management of the camp a bow hunting camp and picked up and made all kinds of friends also in the industry. ran the camp and then graduated from school and came to work and was very involved in the archery company Carbon Express and our crossbow company and all the other things we did and my sons took over that he stayed with me and now he's the president the
1: owner the general manager of our convenience store chain Beacon and Bridge oh my all
0: goodness. the fuel and um, just, it just allows me to as much hunting as I can squeeze in Yeah, He's just a great partner and a great success from it all dates back to that first meeting perchance at an Ace Hardware store where a young man yes. says I'll get the order up the signs for you goes out and helps for the track with a smile on Rex's shoes goes kept get the smile on his face <laughs> and, and it's just the just the. Great things sometimes happen in hunting.
1: Yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he he is the general manager of uh, your convenience store uh, corporation, Beacon and Bridge. Then. Yes. Oh, he wow. does. How many stores do you have?
0: We have 25, and they're all in kind of like hunting country. country. Yeah. In Cadillac and Fife Lake and Gladwin, we're in the northern part of the state, from, from Flint north.
1: Yes, indeed. The neat thing uh, for for myself, when I, my wife and I used to uh, visit our one our daughter that at the time lived up in the Traverse City area, we always made that one stop at, um, at your Beacon Bridge. It was a perfect stop to refuel and uh,
0: pull in the Cadillac store. Uh, yes, Indeed, uh, absolutely,
1: years. yeah, uh, yep, get another cup of coffee and. And I, you know, there was always many other things. It was more than just a convenience store. It was a, it was just a neat uh, stop in oh, a lot thank of different. Yeah, it was a nice store. That's what. That's a neat story. Uh, um, boy, he he had no idea, and you had now no idea what laid in front of you. What? Uh, no, no, you know, no. God, God had but, but, his God he had he's his
0: hand on that. Still, a there. passionate bull hunter, he went out this year. Uh, I believe it was to Kansas and shot a whitetail, and I've never seen. He shot a whitetail with one hundred oh, and eighty-eight. Oh my! And a Pope and Young record is two one twenty-five, and I've never shot one this Pope and Young in all my years of deer honey. Let alone, I don't think I've ever seen a one eighty-eight whitetail. Have you ever, Gary?
1: No, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the uh, on the T V or on the uh, computer screen. Yeah. Oh my. You know, my, my nephew, uh, we do some leases on some property in Missouri and my nephew and and a couple of his buddies went out there and he called, they they were out there for three days and I hadn't heard from him. And I thought, boy, what's Derek up to? You know, and Derek gave me a call and he's talking kind of soft and I said, what's going on, Derek? Everything okay? Uncle Gary says, and of course, Derek, he's early to mid thirties and, uh, very consummate hunter, very, very, uh, meticulous person. And he says, Uncle Gary, I think I saw a 200-inch whitetail. Wow! Yeah, and he had it on video. I don't know about 200, but yeah, it was somewhere up in that area. And I just thought, oh my goodness! And he says, "Yeah, I got a problem." I said, "What's that?" I've let some smaller ones go that I would have never let go. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, "Well, you set you set your mark, bud. You you set your." Uh, but that's a such a neat story about uh, what's uh, what's this. Uh, Gentleman's name that uh, had the white uh, sneakers that put in that trespassing sign order for you. What was his? What? You said oh, that, Scott,
0: was it? Yes, yeah, it's Scott Nelson.
1: Wow, that's a neat yep. thing. Well, shout out to Scott Nelson for uh, not screwing up that no trespassing sign <laughs> order. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Lenny Resmer, of course, in the early conversation we had when uh Ted Nugent had contacted you. How how did you become involved or how did you become uh affiliated, I say in some capacity, or a friend of Lenny Resmer, where he uh he actually worked for you guys.
0: Well Lenny ran Erno's Archery in Bay City. Do you remember Ernos or is that late
1: No, absolutely it was right on Freeland Road. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was at the time it was just at the the, the big hub it was so more dart and bows than any other comp, company in the entire world and yeah. so Lenny was the general even though he was young he was young Lenny was young he would pretend like the general manager of, of the shop and Harold of course was the owner and I, so I was just starting off the fledgling archery shop and. They were a customer of mine, and then I took Lenny hunting several times up to tens of Better, and got to know him. And his, Lenny's work ethic is—he uh, just starts to work at forty hours a week back then. Wow. I mean, that was—he was just getting wound up at forty hours. And <laughs> so the company started to grow a little bit. And I never bought out a new product without first talking to Lenny and playing ping pong with him. What do you think? How should we do this differently? And I'd call him at home at eight o'clock at night. He was always so kind to the to give me his input, and, and he also, even though he wasn't involved in the, directly in the company at that time, he gave me some ideas for new products, it was very helpful, so things were going on, and Harold's er- 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 son was coming into the business, and so Lenny felt it was time that it was open for discussion to maybe move into a different direction because of family changes are happening at Ernos. Yes. So I'm on the phone with him one night and going over some ideas with him. I said, Lenny, what would you think about coming to work for 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 me at Carbon Express? He said, Bob, I would really like to do that. I think that would be a good idea. I said, <laughs> Well, what are you making now? And he says, I'm making this. I said, Okay, we can match that. I said he says, That would be a great idea. He says, um I need to talk to my wife. I said, Okay, put me on hold, talk to Connie, your wife, and let me know what <laughs> if you if gonna take the deal? And he says, "Okay, put me on hold." Came back five minutes minutes later and said, "Yeah, Connie says it's okay." It's like, "Look, well, I come to work to Carbon Express." He says, "Good, see you tomorrow morning at eight o'clock." <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and that's how we that's how we started together at first. Thing. Oh and, uh, yeah. And then, of course, I told you about Ted Nugent calling him and congratulating yeah. him on his retirement. Yeah, um, but he was the that backbone. Uh, he was the locomotive of the Carbon Express.
1: Wow! And a smart man, for for uh, if nothing else, checking in with his wife before he made that decision. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and, and Lenny has a couple of records that will never be broken. One, Lenny can clean a deer quicker than any other person I know. Maybe so. I mean, he'll do a spotless job under a minute. Can you imagine that? Wow,
1: that's amazing. He's done it. <laughs> uh, he's uh, done a few then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and some years, many years, we harvest a thirty deer a, a year off of the camp. That's what a lot of deer yeah. in uh, clean thirty
1: uh, honestly, clean thirty deer for thirty different people on <laughs> the camp every uh, yeah. uh, That Any one of a kind. That always that always drew some attention, didn't it? When you <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the people are still talking about it oh yeah. yeah that's funny yeah that's pretty cool. That's a neat story too uh, well where do you see where do you see our archery I say our archery industry I, I know there's more than just the hunting side of things there's the competitive sport or shooting sports as well. Where do you see all this wrapped up into one or maybe we' divide it and segregate hunting um, We're down on hunters a little bit for a variety of reasons. And um, you know, thank thank God, we'll say that we have some a, a big influx of ladies into the industry. But where do you see this heading?
0: Well, yeah, I'm pretty excited about the, the ladies. We started the Upper Tensent Better. We started the Diana's Hunting, the Women's Hunting wow. Organization, mm-hmm. and we started up with Ann Clark and Kay Ritchie. Yeah.
1: And, wow, those are some. Uh, great- some outstanding names, very good pioneers. M- M-
0: M- Marilyn Ben
1: Yeah, those are some pioneers.
0: Oh yeah, we had So we started the Diana, the better. So woman involved in archery, I think that that's a. It, it's the time of the year is nice, but you have got early season, yep. and it's just um, they got the equipment such that you can harvest very. Capably with a 35 pound bow and the right broadhead. Yeah. Um, so it's equipment that a lady can handle with, with a little preparation, a little work before going out in the field. It's not Absolutely. like the old recurve, which wasn't quite like so so easy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about women in archery. I, I just think that's a, a, a great opportunity. Also used in archery. Yes. Um, so that, that like well, two or three years ago gary i think there was i don't a lot of people were a little pessimistic about where archery is going but today it's certainly at least it's certainly stabilized and i i believe there's there's solid the, the growth may not be going up in a steep steep curve but i think there is is steady growth particularly with this pandemic it's been amazing yeah yeah you, you you just can't keep Archery equipment on the shelves during this pandemic—it's caused archery to just explode.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Talking to some of the uh, the pro shops and some of the the uh, distribution uh, uh, channels, um, people like uh, uh, John Eberhart, etc., and just re- remarking how much of the equipment is just uh, hard to keep in stock. And normally, you'd say, "Well, that's boy, we're having a hard time." Keeping up, maybe the supply and demand, and I think he mentioned, uh, yeah, a little bit of that. But he said it's just there seems to be a resurgence of interest, which, like you had alluded to, it, that is such a nice thing to uh, to have. I, I I'm gonna shift gears a tiny bit, and in, in that Michigan's influence, I think is is uh, certainly, uh, I want I don't want to call it omnipresence, but certainly a big influence in the in that. Uh, adventure of the resurgence or of the industry um when i heard uh you know darton industry changing ownership etc some people looked at that and said oh my gosh here's a you know a company from georgia taking ownership but i look at that and say hey the company is just taking a maybe a small little directional change and or maybe a big directional change but there's interested parties in buying companies it's uh you know, they may be infusing some uh, new products and some new breath of life into things, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward forward to seeing Darton Archery around for a another period of time. You know, that Michigan influence. I think that that that's great that that happened, and Rex
0: contributed so much. Rex, the Darlington, the former owner of, uh, of yes. Darton. I mean, but give the guy credit. I mean, he's how old is Rex now? He's got to be pushing. 85 or somewhere in that neighborhood.
1: I would agree. Not not knowing for sure, but I yeah, absolutely in that I mean, vicinity.
0: So it's a, it, it's time for some new blood. Doesn't mean they maybe the new company will keep Rex on and have them give continue to give some ideas. But the fresh blood in there, Darden at one time was just the number one bow company in Michigan by far. I mean Darden was just it was just very creative. It was the Matthews' pioneer. Yes,
1: indeed. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up that way because I agree with you 100%. Um, we see what companies such as Matthews, what marketing can do with a great product, but uh, certainly Darton had uh, had a foundational influence in Matthews and others in, in building such uh, what's called them profitable companies, but good, solid products as well um well hey I'm looking at the timeline I try to keep our podcasts inside of a uh, 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 what my what my wife says a the attentions the attention span of the average guy out there I and I call, told her I said, hey wait a minute, I've got some ladies that listen to my podcast too so um, but I'm looking at uh, uh, what we talked about and I'd like to kind of wrap it up to say um, we have a uh, some common friendships here. And you, in our previous conversation, alerted me to uh, one such individual as, uh, that I need to reach out to him and ask if he'd be gracious to uh, come on on a podcast, and that's Jim Barsha. And, of course, he's a uh, personal friend of yours, and you have a lot of experience with Jim, whether it be hunting or at camp. So I'd be, uh, I'm going to reach out to Jim and see if he'll... Uh, Join as well. Uh, Jim is a, a
0: state senator and congressman, state representative, and always done a ace of a job representing us in, in the legislative world. Absolutely. Uh, in like, fact, I'm going to see Jim down in at the Archery Hall of Fame. I'll leave you with this. It, this on, I just wanted to share with you that I will be inducted in the Archery Hall of Fame coming up. But I think we talked about it earlier, but oh, it's stunning. not because of what I did, it's because of the people that I met. It was just uh, archery brings people together, and I, the game is important. But the in the white tail without the white tail deer, I don't know how important the Archery Hall of Fame would be because that's the, the bonding. Group blue of, of all archers is a whitetail yes so but jim will be there at the archery hall of fame with me in the springtime to receive that award but gary it's so nice to you to spend a half hour with me here on this podcast let me share let me share a few stories with you
1: i appreciate That's... it yeah thank you so much i i really do and i'm gonna i'm gonna say congratulations on your induction into the uh, archery hall of fame i just reached out to i can't think of her name she uh she runs the uh, out of Pennsylvania the office, and I picked up a couple of books on Fred Bear, and and uh, she shipped them out to me. So I'm looking forward to sitting down and uh, and taking taking on those as a nice uh, read. Um, so uh, with that, hey, I really Gary,
0: thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. Godspeed to you. Bye, bye Thank right. you. Thank you. Bye, bye. Episode number 77 is proudly brought to you by.
0: Michigan brand Michigan Brand is a third generation family owned and operated business out of mid-Michigan. We are known for our world famous hams, jerky, and various sausage products. You can find us all over the state of Michigan, as well as other states throughout the U.S. Check us out at michiganbrand.net. That's michiganbrand.net to learn more.
1: And also brought to you by
0: Beckley's M65 Bait Store. With two locations, whether you need a full-service archery and sporting goods store in Whittemore or the best walleye headquarters on the shores of Augrey, Gray, carrying Fat Boy and JT Bandit jigs, we have you covered. Beckley's is a third-generation expert in hunting and fishing supplies. Find us on Facebook or call 989-324-7111.
1: Folks, thanks for listening to podcast number 77. We really appreciate it. Hey, I could have chatted, uh, for hours and hours with that gentleman, Bob Eastman. He's, he is, he's just that he's a gentleman and just a humble, honest fella that, um, really enjoys talking about the, the business of hunting, archery, et cetera, and, and what kind of an impact, uh, that business has had to him and what his goals are as far as impacting others in a positive way. And he's done that. And Hey, what a neat story about those white tennis shoes, white sneakers, as he calls them and what that, uh, what that little uh, situation did to change some people's lives yes bob eastman and his wife as well but certainly uh certainly the young fella from the ace hardware so anyways hey without further ado thanks for listening you have a great day talk to you next time